Welcome to today's message from Refuge Point Church. We would love for you to join us for one of our exciting worship gatherings each Sunday at either 9.30 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. We're located right off of I-85 in downtown West Point, Georgia. For more information, check us out online at www.refugepointchurch.org. Or you can download our church app by searching for Refuge Point Church in iTunes or Google Play. Now, here's today's message. Why don't you grab it and let's get right into the word this morning. Uh, no, no surprise if you've been with us for four weeks, we'll be in John chapter 1. And uh, I'm actually going to conclude the epilogue of John 1, uh, not John 1 itself. Um, so this is week four of a series we started on the gospel of John. Um, I have a goal as a pastor, and my, my goal is that you know Jesus, and I think how we can know Jesus is by looking at the gospel of John. I mean, that's a pretty good goal, I guess, uh, to have as a pastor. Um, but I, I want you to know the gospel of John, because if you, if you can figure it out, you can figure out who Jesus is, that your life will be transformed. Um, we'll get into the last part of chapter 1 uh, next week. So far, this is what we've covered. All right, if you hadn't been here, it's pretty easy, uh, that Jesus is God. All right, I mean, we've, we have hammered that into our souls. The Logos, the Word, became flesh and dwelt among us. And then we've discovered that that Word, here in verse 14, that we're going to be picking it up in, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so we've discovered that Jesus Christ is God, not God the Father, but God the Son, all right? So you got these three workings here of the Trinity that we'll get into much later. Uh, we have God the Father, and now God the Son has stepped into or out of the cosmos, not emptying himself as, of his deity, of his godness, but becoming both fully man and fully God and stepping into our world and putting on, like Eugene Peterson says uh, in, in John 1.14, putting on flesh and bones and and moving into our neighborhood, all right? And so West Point term, he, he moved up in the hood. Uh, and so this is what Jesus has done uh, for us. Not only that, but Jesus is the light, and, and he'll talk about this later. Uh, so Jesus is the light, and the light came, and the light shines, not shone, but the light continues to shine into the darkest places, uh, not just for Jesus in this context, but it's a continuous shining. The light shines in the darkness, and so whatever you are, wherever you are, the, you got a dark space in your soul this morning. That's fine because the light is here to shine in your darkness. Not only that, but then we've discovered here that uh, we got this slight interruption. All right, talking about Jesus, Jesus, God, God. And then here's our boy, John the B. Uh, that didn't sound right. John the Baptizer. Uh, John the Baptizer comes in and uh, he's talking about the light. I wouldn't recommend telling anybody that. Uh, John is talking about the light, witnessing about the light. He himself is not the light. But he's come to witness and testify. And so we have, we have really just kind of unpacked all of that for the past four years. Four years. Four weeks. It seems like four years. Uh, four weeks. And so what I want to do uh, today is, is hopefully uh, as we go through the book of John, you'll understand that it's not just rich in theology and some philosophical book that uh, John wrote. But this is also rich in application uh, for us and how not only we... We deal with the scripture, how we deal theologically with, with who Jesus is, but it also has a lot of practical application for us and how we deal not only with uh, ourselves, but how we deal with our neighbors, how we deal with our spouses, how we deal with uh, a lot of this 
uh, stuff around us. And so, uh, in fact, we're going to get into a little bit of that uh, this morning. Now, I want to give you, before I read John 1, uh, 14, I want to tell you a, a vision, um, not some mystical, weird type vision that I had while I was pondering the thoughts of the Lord, but just something that I didn't really know how to communicate until I kind of started studying this small section of Scripture. And I want to give you this vision for us as a church, not just something we can latch on to for the next year, but something that can become who we are. And I found it by reading John 1, 14, which is the image of the incarnation of Christ. And it's this, to know Jesus and to make Jesus known. If there's anything that I want you to grab onto at Refuge, if, that, if I have a goal for us as a church, and specifically while we're going through the book of John, I want it to be this, that you know Jesus and you make Jesus known. So this, that, those two easy phrases, know Jesus, make Jesus known. Know Jesus and make Jesus known. And you're going to find this in this text. And I haven't been able to articulate that because I didn't really know how to say it until I read about the incarnation of Jesus and what God did and found that this is his mission, was to make, to know Jesus, for us to know Jesus, and to make him known. John chapter 1, verse 14. Now, this is going to be a lot of teaching, so you have to turn on your frontal lobe, I guess. Is that right? Or your medulla obligata? As the water boy would say. Nobody got it. Okay. It's your medulla obligata. Right. Best, not best movie. Verse 14. Nobody likes my jokes this morning. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Powerful statement. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. I mean, if you highlight or you underline your Bible, you should do that full of grace and truth. John, John the baptizer, testified concerning him and exclaimed, this was the one of whom I said, the one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. Man, I love that line. Grace upon grace. Amen. For the law was given through Moses... Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one's ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. Now, I want you to remember that, to know God and to make him known. And, and what I've realized when I was studying through this small section and the ending of the epilogue of John chapter 1 is that God has embodied this as a mission of his own. If you look at that, and the word became flesh, that's us getting to know Jesus. This is the incarnation. And dwelt among us. Dwelling among us is how we get to know Jesus. So here is God embodying this simple phrase, to know Jesus and to make him known. The word Jesus 
the incarnate. Now, dwelt here is an interesting word. We've like, we've talked about this a lot, and I hope you've got what this means. Like dwelling means like he has come to tabernacle, or he has come, and what most people would translate that word dwell as to uh, pitch a tent. And so here is God coming in flesh and bones and pitching a tent in our yard. Now, there are two implications that I want to give you uh, that I have not mentioned about pitching a tent. Now, if you, if you know a little bit about some of this, uh, about this context here, is if you pitch a tent, you're not dwelling in the best circumstances, right? Anybody hate camping? Why are guys raising their hand? Okay, I've got two ladies here. I like all the guys are like, I hate camping. I don't need them bugs messing with me. Now, yeah. Now, there are limitations to, I mean, unless you're like some hillbilly that lives out in the woods, but you got a lot of limitations when it comes to living in a tent. Where do you use the restroom? You got to dig a hole, man. What do you use for TP, man? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I know that's a little crass, but I want you to understand that it is not the best circumstances. Jesus did not come and live in a mansion among us because that would have communicated something totally drastic from him living in a tent with us. If Jesus came and lived in a mansion, then the communication, what he would have been communicating was, leave me alone. He didn't come and live in a palace because Jesus understood that his tent was not permanent. That he came to dwell in a place just for a few years. And that's good news for us. Another implication about him dwelling among us is that uh, there was another type of person that would use a tent. And that was a soldier. Now, Now hear me now. Here's what I know about Jesus. His disciples and a lot of people got really ticked off at Jesus because he was not the militant leader that they thought he was going to be. But Jesus came and pitched a tent like a soldier because he was about to start a war, a different kind of war. He was about to win a battle against sin and death. And so when Jesus came to dwell among us and to pitch his tent and to camp out in our front yard, he did that with the realization of, I'm coming to crush sin and death for good. I'm not just going to start a war. I'm going to finish this battle. The war will be over. So Jesus came in this militant idea not to rule them from the Roman Empire's oppression on the Jews like they wanted him to do. Now Jesus came to rid us of the oppression of sin and death. So the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, I want to just, the incarnation, uh, if I can. I know this is a, a topic that is sometimes centered around Christmas. All right, so Jesus came uh, to us in flesh and bones as a baby. And I don't want us to get our doctrine, uh, I don't want us to be misguided by our doctrine of the incarnation. I, I want you to, and here's what I mean by that. I want you to understand that the incarnation of Jesus, like I've said, is Fully, Jesus coming fully God and fully man. Now, because you've had over the past couple thousands of years, uh, a lot of issues that have risen up just against that one doctrinal statement that Jesus was both fully God and fully man. You have some out there who are uh, shouting with the heresy that God, uh, that Jesus um, emptied out all of his godness 
and was just a man. Now, I haven't read that scripture yet. I still haven't found that one. But again, that's just complete bonkers and heresy. And then you have this uh, other craziness that there was no way he could have been a man. So it was just like this ghost who mystically came and Jesus was this, this spiritual being because there was no way the God of the universe could have been and felt the pain of an infant. There was no way the God of the universe could have gone through the valley of the shadow of puberty. No way God could have experienced that. And again, both are wrong. Jesus was both fully God and fully man. And he came, the word, God, became flesh and dwelt among us. That's how we know that this is true. So the implications of this incarnation, I I believe they have, they work themselves out in three different ways. How do we know Jesus and how do we make him known? This is the incarnation of Christ. How do we know Jesus? How do we make him known? I'm going to be real fast with you uh, this morning. Uh, Just three simple things. Here's the first one. We We find it in verse 14 when he says, we have seen his glory. So, how, so we see Jesus for who he is. Now, I don't want you to think as glory as just some sign that God is uh, putting out, like, like some miracle. Here, glory is not equating to miracles. Glory is equating to the revealed nature of God. The revealed nature of God through Jesus. Amen. This is the glory revealed is Jesus. You cannot be looking for God just in his miracles. And I think that's a fallacy that we find ourselves in at sometimes. We think that the glory of God is just in what he can do. We think that the glory of God is in just his expressions of the big miraculous and the sign gifts. But here the glory is revealed as the nature of God. And the glory that we behold is not his miracles. But the glory we behold is the Son of God, is Jesus. That's the glory that we behold, the Son of God. Now, the Son of God, now you've got to understand the context of what the word Son means. It just literally means to have the same nature as, all right? This is not lowercase s Son who was a created being who was like this weird junk out there where like God came down and did business time with Mary and then like it's just really strange and how he was a creative being at this time all right I'm trying to keep it like uh, at least PG-13 rated all right and so so you have this really weird ideas out there but that's not the case he's the son of God because he has the same nature as God that's what son of God means all right I told you turn on your, your frontal lobe okay is that all right? We're going to turn on our frontal lobes, all right? I guess that's what it's called. I don't know. Maybe I should have looked that up before I said that. Here is his glory revealed to us. Jesus is his glory revealed to us. And here it is, full of grace and truth. That, that's powerful, man. Now, now, John the Baptist, he was a new kind of prophet, all right? historically in the Old Testament, you had the prophets who were just talking about your sin, truth. So historically, it was like, repent, you sinners. 
Repent, 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 repent. Sinner, 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 sinner. Truth. Because that's what you were. That's what you are. But John comes on the scene, and he kind of flips it a little bit. Not only is he exposing the truth to you, but now he's exposing grace to you, Jesus. Not only is he saying repent, but now he's saying there's one who was here before I even was. And in just a little bit, John's going to look out in the crowd and he's going to see him and declare, there he is, the Lamb of God. Do you see this? So here's a new type of prophet on the streets, not just declaring how bad of a person you are, but now revealing the grace of it. Because if all you get is just a bunch of truth, then you get like a bunch of religious jerks. Because I think the church has been pretty good at being truthers. Like, we want to tell you how wrong you are. Jesus didn't come to point his finger in people's face and just leave it there. And I think that's what, historically, the church has been really good. Church folk have been good at telling you how terrible you are of a person, you are a sinner, and just leaving it at that. If all you get is just truth, then where's the hope in it? John, the baptizer, comes on. He doesn't just tell them how bad they are because you need to know that. I mean, you talk about a, a diminishing church crowd, a bunch of terrible people, terrible people. Look at you, sinners. All right, that's number one. It's not how you grow a church, okay? But after I realize the nature of my true self, I've got to have something to deal with it. And here comes John the Baptist with his new message. Here's how you deal with the truth of how terrible you are. Grace. Jesus. So I think historically we've been great at just pointing our fingers, telling culture, telling the world, telling people, telling people within our own church body how terrible you are, how messed up you are. But that's not just the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is not just truth, but it's also grace. Despite who you are, there's a message that Jesus uses. It's come. Despite how crappy of a person you are, the message of the cross is come. The message of grace is come. Despite how bad you have dropped your life in a toilet, in a dirty toilet, the message of grace is come. Despite how bad you make things around you, the message of grace has come. Despite how terrible you are as a spouse, as a child, as a coworker, the message of grace has come. Despite who you are. Because truth was, and so here's God embodying this grace and truth. Truth was God coming and condemning or punishing something, someone, because of sin. That's truth. But grace came in and Jesus took my place yeah. and took that punishment on my behalf. That's, yeah. that's grace. Truth is, yes, indeed, you a sinner. Amen. But grace is, but Christ died for me. Okay. Now, while you can't just air all truth, 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 I got to warn you. It can't be just all grace, 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 grace. Turn into some kind of hippie enabler, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, 
Oh, it's okay. Just keep on sinning, honey. Nobody cares. I mean, I don't know who talks like that. But I'll find them one day because I make fun of that person all the time. One day they're going to come to me like, I heard you talk bad about me, how I talk. You know? <laughs> Is that you, Ashley? I don't know. <laughs> we can't just be so full. There's a balance to this. Jesus did not come with just truth, truth, truth. Look how terrible you are. But there was a balance that he came with. He's full of grace also. I love this next part. Not only do we see Jesus, but we receive. Here's the second implication of the incarnation of Christ. We receive. I love this line, man. Grace upon grace. I mean, it's just like this never-ending grace. It just never runs out. I heard it, uh, I heard it said that it was like, uh, like an ocean where this wave comes up, crashes on the shore. And just when you think that that wave has disappeared, there's another wave, and it doesn't stop. Here is this image of grace on grace on grace on grace. Grace for days, y'all. I mean, there's grace. I mean, you can't even comprehend. It's like just when you thought that you have hit the limit of God's grace, there's more. I mean, he's just like water, just waterboarding you with his grace. Grace. Here's Jesus, not just full of truth, full of grace upon grace. And this is so powerful. Now, this is not easy believism where you say, like, well, I just got the grace. That's all I need, right? This isn't what this is here. It's this past action of grace that continues to your present and will continue to your future. What John is saying is that the way people meet God today, the way you see God today, the way you get to know God today is by looking at the glory of Jesus Jesus, full of grace and truth. Because when that truth is presented to you, you will have to have grace to deal with it. And this is the reality of today that we live in. Like you need grace upon grace. The next stage of your life, whether because you, you are stepping into empty nesters, you're going to need grace upon grace. Somebody almost caught the spirit right there. I don't know if that was <laughs> Pentecost coming down. <laughs> Whether you got two kids, three kids, 18. If you got 18 kids, we'll whew, help you God. You know what you're going to need? Grace upon grace. Starting a job, yeah. Stepping into uh, the shadow of Valley of Puberty. You know what moms and dads are going to need because of that? Grace upon grace. And then lock that kid up in a closet and don't let them out until they're like 24. It's interesting that John brings up Moses in this. And I, and I think this was kind of odd how Moses just kind of dropped in here by John. And he, he gives this interesting contrast of Jesus and Moses not because 
the law wasn't a gracious gift. The law was a gift. But he's contrasting because Moses is pointing to something. He's contrasting Moses and Jesus because Moses was pointing to something. Uh, he was pointing to grace. Notice this. I mean, and you can kind of look through the life of Moses, and we did that when we were going through Exodus. Moses lifted up his, his rod. Jesus, according to uh, Scripture, was also <laughs> lifted up in John chapter 3, verse 14. Moses uh, received manna from heaven. Jesus said, I am the man. I am the bread of life. Moses was pointing and, and writing and having the word of God, the law. Jesus is the word. Amen. Jesus dwelt among us. Moses could only get a glimpse of the glory of God. Jesus is the glory of God. Amen. Moses could only get a shadow of grace, and Jesus steps in, and we get to visibly see his grace, Amen. full of grace and truth. And, and this last little part right here, uh, an implication of the incarnation of Christ, is not necessarily listed as a scripture, but I, I think you can draw it out of all several of all of these scriptures that we just read. That the implication of the incarnation of Christ, to know Jesus, to make him known, is that we are a sent people. In John chapter 20, there's an interesting verse. Jesus comes down in John chapter 20, verse 21, and he says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you also. Okay. Could you imagine how uncomfortable it was for Christ to be sent to us? Do you imagine how uncomfortable it was from stepping out of heaven into earth and human body, God in flesh? Could you imagine how uncomfortable that was for a God, for the God to come down as one of us, fully God, fully man? Then realize that we have to step into the uncomfortable parts of our life proclaiming this message of grace and truth. We have to step outside of our comforts proclaiming the message of grace upon grace, truth that you are a sinner, but grace, Christ died for you. We have to be willing to step outside of our Comforts, and I, and I just wonder this morning, like, what is that area of comfort that you're not willing to let go of that perhaps Christ is asking you to take apart your tight-gripped fist, let go of that comfort, step into something uncomfortable, and declare the light shines in some uncomfortable dark places. This is not just a message of John, but all the Gospels would. In fact, Jesus, before he ascended to heaven, he gave us this, this same command to go. To go. And do what? Make disciples. I understand that that feels like a, a huge weight, especially if some of us are, 
our new believers or some of us have probably been doing this for a few years and like, you're like, well, I'm, I'm an introvert. I don't talk to people. Well, you could still, as you go, something that in your life God's uniquely wired you, uniquely gifted you to do something to make disciples. Okay. Like, no one gets the pass on this. All right, if you are a believer in Christ, you don't get the pass. Jesus, is, Willie's helping me out this morning. Nobody. You don't get a pass. If you, are, if you say, I, I'm a follower of Christ, I believe Jesus, then you have been sent. And I'm not just talking about you going to a third world country. I'm not just talking about you signing up uh, to, to go visit some of the missionaries that we support. I'm talking about you live on mission where you are. So the job that God has placed you in, he has sovereignly done it so, so that you make disciples. The neighborhood that God has uh, placed you in, he's done it sovereignly so, so that you make disciples. Everywhere that you are. This is the application of the incarnation of Christ that we are sent. Just as Jesus Christ was sent to dwell we too are sent to dwell, not to build our palaces and build our platforms, but to pinch, pitch, not pinch, pitch, or you got to be careful of that word, pitch our tents. <laughs> Here's what I know. Let me change the subject really quick. Here's what I know. Here's what I know about refuge. Here's what I know about us. That if for the next year we commit to know Jesus and to make him known, Amen. we're latching on to the incarnation of Christ. It, I do not know what. got to know Jesus, and we have to make him fully known. Know Jesus and make him known. So, so if, if, you see, if you see things around here that we say, things that you see on banners that say 1K2020, here's what I've got to mean by that, and here's what this says. Not that we draw people in and build a big church for our name? No, so that we can send people out. Here, here's what I know. I don't know what 10 years looks like. I don't know what five years looks like, but here's what we have to look like. We have to be a church that is sending people out. We have to be a church that knows Jesus and is making people known. Know Jesus and make him known. This is God embodying this mission of the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is the incarnation and the implications of the incarnation of Christ for us to know Jesus and to make him known. Thanks for tuning in to Refuge Point Church's broadcast. 
We hope you were both challenged and encouraged by today's message. We would love for you to join us at one of our exciting worship gatherings each Sunday at either 9.30 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. We're located right off of I-85 in downtown West Point, Georgia. For more information, check us out online at www.refugepointchurch.org. Or you can download our church app by searching for Refuge Point Church in iTunes or Google Play.